listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, not yet shared the broadcast, take a minute, we're jumping in now, seven ways to develop or increase your personal gift, what God has anointed you to do as a believer. And uh, so I want to encourage you, if you've not shared it, share now, we're jumping in. Uh, Brittany's asking, what is the Cash App? The Cash App cash tag is MWGIVE, MWGIVE. It's the same for Venmo as well, by the way. Uh, MW Give. You can find either one. And of course, PayPal is info at miracleword.com. And uh, of course, you can use hashtag donate as well as the website. All right, let's get into this. We want to talk about seven different ways to develop your gift to increase it. And uh, by the way, if you've not done this, I'm taking some of these notes from my latest book, Unhang Your Harp. If you've not gotten a chance to buy this book, I encourage you strongly to grab it on the website, shop.miracleword.com. This book is subtitled, How Praise Opens the Door to Every Blessing that God Has uh, Provided for You. So, Unhang Your Harp is a reference, by the way, to when the children of Israel went into Babylonian captivity. And the Bible says they became so dejected and sad that the Babylonians started to mock them and say, why don't you sing us some of those victory songs from Zion? Why don't you you start praising that God that you said would bring you out of every issue? And so the Bible says they were so sad that they hung their harps on the willow trees and basically put their praise on the back shelf. The very thing that brought them victory in the past, they hung it up and let go of that power and stayed in captivity. And this book is called Unhang Your Harp. It's time to get praise back in your life and watch God open the doors of blessing. But I want to talk about the power of developing your gift. And I want to first talk about why that's important. Uh, First of all, one thing we have to understand about the Lord in his nature is that he expects every believer to steadily increase. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, we quote this all the time, the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more or brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So God's plan for you and your life is steady increase. But we also know from scripture that God's plan for the talent and the gift that he's placed in your life is that you increase that gift and talent. We know that because of the parable that's found in Matthew chapter 25. And of course, you can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Um, There was a master who had three servants. And the master was getting ready to go on a long trip. And he gave his servants talents based upon their previous abilities. It wasn't sovereignly giving it to them by favoritism. It was based upon their previous abilities. So his first servant got five talents. His second servant got two talents and his third servant got one talent. And the Bible says that on his trip while he was gone, the first servant took his five talents and multiplied them by investment and turned them into 10 talents. The second who had two talents invested, multiplied, increased and turned it into four talents. 
But the one who had one talent buried it in the ground out of fear. And when his master came back, he met with the one who had five. He said, here's 10 talents. You gave me five, I'm giving you back 10. He said, well done. Talked to the one who had two. He said, I'm giving you back four. Well done. Then he talked to the one who had one and he said, here's your one talent back. He said, I, I knew you're a hard man who reaps where you don't sow. And so I didn't want to lose it. So I buried it in the ground. And uh, so here is your talent back to you safe and sound. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Notice he didn't just say, I'm disappointed in you. He called it wickedness. You wicked and lazy servant. He said, if you knew those things about me, you should have at least put your talent in the bank so that I could have at least gotten interest while I was gone. He said, but you didn't even invest it. And he said, now take the one talent from he who has it and give it to the one who has five and cast this man into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so a couple things I want to show you about this parable. Number one, people would look at that and say, that doesn't sound fair. Why did the one who had five get the extra one from the other servant? You know, because pe too many people have been listening to Bernie Sanders and think that there should be an equal distribution of wealth, but that's not how God's uh, kingdom works. God's not a socialist. God does not believe in equal distribution of wealth. He believes in equal opportunity, but he does not believe in uh, equality of outcome, as it were, which is impossible to enforce because everybody's dedication is at a different level. So you can't ensure equality of outcome when everybody's levels of dedication is at a different place. But God believes in equal opportunity. That's why he gave talents to everybody and not just some of them. Everyone had an opportunity to increase and you have an opportunity to increase. But secondly, I want you to see this that not only did he cast the one who was disobedient, rebellious into outer darkness and call it wicked, but he said, give his talent to the one who has five and then said this, to him that has, more will be given. But to even he, he that doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. What's the principle here? Number one, let's cover this. He who has, to he who has, more will be given. Why? Let's ask the question why, because it seems unfair to so many people, apparently. The reason is because the reason you do have is because you've been faithful. The reason you already have something in your hand is because you've been faithful. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, God gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. So if he knows you're a sower, he's going to give you seed. Notice what these... Um, what, notice the, um, the book is called Unhang Your Harp, by the way. They're asking the comments. So the question is this. Why did he give different levels of talent to the three different men based on their previous abilities? Watch this. Previous faithfulness, previous abilities, higher level of seed put in your hand. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so you have to understand God putting it in your hand is based on your previous faithfulness and obedience to him. And so when God gives you a talent and then ends up giving you more, because what does the Bible say? If you're faithful over a little, I will make you ruler over much. Isn't that interesting? Now, let me just say, some people misquote that verse all over the place. 
You know what they say? Well, you know, the Bible says if you're faithful over little, he'll make you faithful over much. It doesn't say that. It says if you're faithful over little, he'll make you ruler over much. So here's the difference between the two. One, you know, faithful over little, faithful over much, which the Bible does not say, means that God will just give you a greater area of faithfulness. But that's not what the principle is. The principle is if you're faithful over a little, then not only will you have more, but now you'll become the ruler. So it's not just that you increase, you also get promotion. Because in the first example, faithful over a little, you were the one that was faithful over doing the work for the little. But in the second example, ruler over much. Now you're the one directing those that are working with the much that you've been given. Faithful over a little, ruler over much. So it's not just increase, but promotion comes from your faithfulness. And God expects promotion and increase in his children's lives and ministries. And that's why as we go back to the parable of the sower, Matthew 25, when he looked at the one who only had one and buried it, he said, you are wicked. So I want you to write this in the comments section. Cruise controlled life is wickedness. I'll, or put it this way because it'll make more sense. A life on cruise control is wickedness. Or you could even put maintenance mode. God hates maintenance mode. He hates it. He hates the, the mentality that I'm just going to maintain what I already have. That is wicked according to God. That's what, the ser that's what the servant with one talent did. He took that talent, buried it in the ground so he could maintain what the master gave him so he wouldn't lose anything. That's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. Well, I was afraid that if I invested it, I would lose it. And then I know you're a hard man that reaps where he doesn't sow. And I didn't want to lose it. And I wanted to. Be, so here's your talent back. He said, you wicked servant. God views a cruise controlled life where you're just gliding through maintenance mode. He views it as wickedness because he expects you to increase he expects promotion. He expects you to expand with what he's placed in your life. Let me just say, if God's put a talent in your life, if he's put a gift in your life, and it's still at the same place today that it was five years ago, that's wicked. That's wicked. That's not why God puts a gift and a talent in your life. So you can just let it uh, glide through and never build it, never use it. That's wicked. There's people that God has given them. Let me just give you a basic example. God's put a talent or a gift in their life. Let's just say to sing. You know, singing is a gift of talent God puts in your life, but they won't volunteer at their church. They won't get on the praise and worship team. They're not willing to come early and practice. They're not willing to come and give their gift to the Lord and sing. They're not willing to use it. And so he's put a gift in their life and it just lies dormant just lies dormant and they don't use it. What are they doing? Burying it in the ground, burying it in the ground. And God looks at that and says, that's wicked because I gave you that gift and I gave you that talent and I gave it to you for me, for my purposes. You know, what's interesting is that the Bible teaches in the New Testament that we've been created for God. We've been created for him, for his use, for his purposes. And when we take what he's given us, and don't use it for him and his purpose, that's wickedness. God does not want you to take your gifts and your talents and bury them 
in the ground. So I'm talking to you at the beginning why, that's right, Evan, it takes work. I look at Evan, when he first started playing the guitar, which God gave him the ability to do, when he started, I'm sure he would tell you, he wasn't that good at playing the guitar, wasn't that good at, at singing or, or leading a, a worship song or a worship set, but what did he do? He was faithful and diligent to develop that gift and to give himself to study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. And what's happening? Then if you watch him on YouTube, increasing in his gift, increasing in his talent. That is what God wants for you as well, to increase in your gifts and talents. And so God expects for you to increase. And development of your gift will bring promotion. Development of your gift will bring promotion. Listen to this. I'm going to read you something that I wrote here. The degree to which you dedicate yourself to development of your gift is the degree to which doors will open in your life. I like that. Buddy put it in the comments. To live two days in succession on the same spiritual plane is a tragedy. Ever-increasing faith. Ever-increasing faith. Listen to this. The degree to which you dedicate yourself to development of your gift is the degree to which doors will open in your life. People are wondering, I don't know why no doors are open to me. You're not using your gifts and talents. You're not using your gifts and talents. Listen to this verse of scripture from Proverbs 18, 16. This is Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room. So if you don't use your gift, nothing's making room for you. Nothing's making room for you. Nothing will bring you before great men. Nothing. And so understand, it's important to develop in your gifts and in your talents. Listen to this. David, King David, before he was king, guess what he was doing? Not just watching his father's sheep. He was out in the sheepfold playing the harp, writing psalms, writing songs, worshiping the Lord. So when it came time where an evil spirit troubled the mind of King Saul, he said, bring me somebody that can play skillfully on the harp. Notice this, 1 Samuel 16, 18. One of the servants of Saul said, well, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, the Lord is with him. What just happened? I'll tell you what just happened. David's gift just made room for him. Guess what? His reputation went ahead of him because he was activating his gift and his talents. And it was time to stand before kings. He was ready because he'd been developing his gifts and his talents. And your reputation will precede you. So you know what that means? When somebody said, I need a skillful harpist, the immediate first name that came to mind was David. And they got a hold of him, brought him in. And we're called. You know, I hear, I hear people say this all the time, especially in the worship world, cracks me up. Well, brother, we're not looking for perfection, just faithfulness. You know, I don't care if we hit every right note and every right chord or sing every right note. Long as our hearts are in the right place, God sees our worship. That's a really dumb thing to say because God's looking for excellence. I know there's times that as you're growing, it is about your heart being right and faithfulness to do what God's asked you to do. You don't have to be a perfectionist before you ever do it, but you should strive for perfection. Listen to this. The Bible says in Psalm 33, 3, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. 
Play skillfully. That means God's expecting skillfulness. That means that you've taken time to practice and you've developed yourself. It's funny how if you as a singer were going to go sing the uh, national anthem at a huge game somewhere, you would practice and practice and practice. You do not want to screw up in front of those people. You want it to be the best it can be for that sporting event. And people practice, 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 make sure they got it right, start in the right key because the national anthem goes high. But notice people will come in and just give God anything. And God is much higher than a crowd at a basketball game. And they'll just come not practice, not develop. They'll just show up and give him whatever they've got off the, off the cuff. God's worthy of more than that. He's worthy of the most. Play skillfully on a harp. Sing skillfully. Worship skillfully. Develop your gift. Make it the best for the God who you're giving it to. And that's the key. And so I want you to see this. There is a process of development that takes work. The Bible says, and of course this was, Paul was saying this to Timothy in the context of skillfully dividing the word of God when he preached or taught. But 2 Timothy 2.15 says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. That's in context of preaching and teaching. But it remains, the principle remains in every area of your service to God. Be, uh, let me just read the first part of the verse. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Work hard. That means God doesn't receive everybody. God doesn't receive everybody's seed. Did you ever know that? God doesn't have to receive every seed that's given to him. Look at the story of Cain and Abel. Abel gave an offering that God accepted. Cain gave an offering God rejected. You have to give him what he asked for. You've got to give him what he asked for. So let's jump, let's jump into this. I want to give you seven, in this broadcast, seven ways to develop your gift. Seven different ways to develop your gift. Number one, and you guys can put these into the comments section. Number one, dissatisfaction. You need to learn how to grow in dissatisfaction. So what does that mean? I should be satisfied. No, you should be dissatisfied with where you're at and be pressing for something better and greater. And it doesn't mean that you don't have contentment, but it means that you understand this is where I currently am, but it's not where I'm staying. I am thankful for where God brought me from. I'm glad I'm not where I started. That's for sure. I am very glad in every area of my life I'm not where I started. But I also know this is not where I'm ending. And so what does that do? It gives me an understanding I need to live with a constant dissatisfaction for the normal. That's the point Smith Wigglesworth was making in the quote that Buddy put up. It's a tragedy to live on the same plane two days in a row. It means that you're not increasing and you have no desire to increase. And so what is it? I need to develop a dissatisfaction for the same. I don't want the same day after day after day. I don't want the normal day after day after day. I want to go higher. I want to increase. In 2020, we must increase. In 2020, we must go higher. It doesn't matter what you're called to do. Preach the gospel, sing, play an instrument, run a business, be a parent, be a better wife, be a better husband, whatever it might be. Increase. You should be a better husband in 2020 than you were in 2019. 
You should be a greater wife in 2020 than you were in 2019. Why? You're increasing. You're increasing in every area. I'll be a better father in 2020 than I was in 2019. I'll be a better preacher and teacher in 2020. I'll be a better prayer. I'll be a better faster. I'll be a better praiser. Check this one. I'll be a better giver in 2020 than I was in 2019. Every year should increase. There's no decrease in the kingdom of God. It's increase, not decrease. And so I got to get dissatisfied. You know what that means? I thank God for what he's allowed me to do and what he's used me to do, but I'm not doing, baby. I look back at 2019 and our giving, rec- our giving statement, our giving record, holy smokes, it was good. It was good. We gave in 2019. We gave in 2018, but it won't be 2020 because I'm dissatisfied with that level. I'll get like that with my giving because giving's a gift. It's a talent. It's something that God blesses you with, the ability to be generous and to be a giver. He gives you seed. That's a gift. He gives seed to the sower. That's a gift. So I'll develop that gift. I'll have God give me more seed. Well, how do I do that? How can I get God to give me more seed than he has in the past? This mic is having a hard time, wants to fold under. How, how can I get God to give me more seed than he has in the past? Well, let me explain how. By, by being faithful, number one, to give the seeds faithfully that he's given me and to show him that I have a desire and a willingness to do something even bigger than that. And you, and you can do that yourself. Let me show you how. If you're a giver and you want to develop, develop that gift, you know, you'll get to a place where the gift that you're giving that used to be big to you doesn't seem to be big anymore. And so you have to go higher. You know, can't keep giving $100, $100, $100. There'll come a time it's not big to you anymore. And you're going to have to move to $500 or $250 or whatever. I remember when it happened to us. We, I remember the first time we gave 1000 and 1000 was huge, huge. I can remember when we first gave it. I think the first time I ever gave mine was either at a, uh, an Easter Resurrection Sunday service when we were giving our Easter seed or when Dr. Leroy Thompson came to the church. I know I gave 1000 that time. It was one of the first times I'd ever done it, and it was a huge step for me. But now it's not. Carolyn and I don't look at a $1,000 seed and say, my God, it's rocking our world. No, it doesn't anymore. It just doesn't. And so we have to be faithful to say, you know what? We're going higher. And we've gone much higher. But God sees our faithfulness. You know what he does? He puts more in our hand. Because he saw how faithful we were at the level of a thousand time and time and time and time and time again to sow that amount. So you know what God says? Oh, he's that faithful, is he? I'm going to start giving him $2,500 seeds. Then he saw that what we would do with those. He said, oh, you think, you think you're going to outgive me? I'll give you $5,000 seeds. He said, oh, he's going to be faithful? He doesn't even hesitate when I tell him to sow $5,000. Well, watch this. I'll give him a $10,000 seed. And he watches us give $10,000, $10,000, $10,000. And they said, you know what? He's faithful to do that. I'm going to give him more. Yeah. That's how you increase. Get dissatisfied with where you're currently at. And we feel like that. We feel it grading in our spirit, my, my wife and I. It's like we go to, I remember that transition, you know, you'll get there and you'll feel like, oh, that's not it. That is not it. You know, you sow a thousand dollars, man, that was not it. it. First of all, I don't feel like it took faith to do it. Second of all, I don't feel the release of, um, in my spirit of, of peace after I did it. No, I feel like I should have done more. And so what happens? You have to give more. You got to increase. Same in every area of your gift. Every area. 
Doesn't matter if it's guitar playing, piano playing, doesn't matter if it's singing, doesn't matter if it's working, running a business, being a husband, being a wife, being a father, being a mother, doesn't matter. You have to increase and get better and better. Dissatisfaction. You know, my, my, um, my grandfather used to say this phrase, it cracks me up. He'd say, I am satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. What does that mean? What I just said. I'm happy about where I've come from, but I know there's more to get after here. I'm not stopping. So I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 3 and uh, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So understand what he's saying. I'm thankful for where I am, but I'm going somewhere greater. Thankful for where I am, but I'm going somewhere greater. So number one is dissatisfaction. Number two, the second way, you still getting that sound? Sorry. It's crackling. I apologize. It's the way this sweater is today. Should be good now. Bang. Um, Number two, the second thing you need is direction. Number one, dissatisfaction. Number two, direction. Got to have direction. What does that mean? Well, you've got to know what you're aiming for. You can't do anything without a goal. You know, how would you even know? I heard Bishop Boyadepo say this one time. He said, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. If you don't know where you're going, if you've got no idea where Disney World is or what it even looks like, then you may end up in Arkansas like, my God, we're here. Where's the mouse? I don't even see Mickey anywhere. Well, he's not going to be there because you didn't have the proper goal. You had no direction. You don't know where you're going. So if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. So you need number two, direction. What am I trying to do? What am I trying to obtain? One of the things that... um, is very frustrating is when people want to increase or go higher in any area, including business, but they don't define what that means to them. What I love what pastor Brian said, you know, last night he was exhorting on the diligence to win souls as a church body or as an individual. Well, he didn't, he didn't just say, you know what our goal is at boomerang to win souls. So let's just start winning souls. What did they do? They created a goal That was number one, specific, but number two was able to be measured. So what does that mean? He said, well, every year we're going to set a goal for how many souls we win. And then the every year after that, we're going to double that goal. So how many was your first year, Pastor Brian? Well, you set a goal for 500 souls. So he said, we're going to win 500 souls. Well, number one, that's now specific and not vague. Vague is, we're going to be a soul winning church. Let's just start winning souls. Well, how many souls? How many souls? Because you don't even know if you've reached your goal. So by saying 500 souls, now it's a specific goal. I can now measure that. I can track my performance towards my goal. Okay, it's June. Where are we at on the goal? Well, our goal is 500. We're at 367 souls in June. Good. So we know that we're moving towards that goal. We know how much we have left to reach that goal, you see. And then he knows the next year, 
we're setting that goal up to 1,000 because we're doubling it every year. And so the goal is specific and it's actually measurable. And so, uh, you know, if you've, never, if you've never heard about SMART goals in your life in business, if you've never heard of the term SMART goals, you need to Google it and see what that means because it's what I'm talking about. It's, it allows you to set a direction for your course that you can actually make happen and get somewhere specific that you want to go. So the goals are specific. They're measurable. What's well, A is attainable. Something that's not going to be out of your league. Notice he didn't say, this year we're going to win a million souls. Well, there's not a, Are there even a million souls in Albemarle? No. How many people live in Albemarle? 60,000 people. So even to say, we're going to win a million people of the Lord this year, you can't even obtain that even if you wanted to because there's not a million people here. So what is your third level? It's got to be attainable. It's got to be attainable. Um, what are the other two? Do you remember? For, for smart, it's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and trackable. Trackable. So you have to be able to go through and say, I'm actually doing it. I'm actually reaching my goal. I'm halfway through uh, the time that I've given myself. No, T is time-based. Time-based. So you set a time for yourself. So what do you do? I'm helping you with, with, with stuff that's practical because most, people, most Christians never do this. Then they're just frustrated because they're not going where they want to go. Well, I've been working on that for four years. Hey, I thought you were going to, you know, you, you talk to somebody. I thought you were going to write a book. You told me you were going to write a book. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I've got an idea for a book, you know, and I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I know God's going to allow me to do it one day. Well, that's never, it's never going to happen. I love what my, my pastor, Bishop Rick, says. He said, do you realize if you look into a graveyard, a cemetery, you could look at those tombs. Do you know how many books are still in the bellies of people in those graveyards? Do you know how many ministries that never were started are in those graveyards? Do you realize how many orphanages that were, were to be built are still in the bellies of those people because they never stepped out and did what God called them to do? Because they didn't have direction for their life. And so as a result, those things never were manifested in the natural realm. Ever. Ever. And so they just sit there and then they die with the book still in their belly. They die with the ministry still in their belly. They die with the orphanage still in their belly because they've got no direction, no goals that have been set that are specific, measurable. You see, that's why you've got to do it. So you might say to yourself, well, what's my gift? What's my talent? And that's why Paul said this. Paul told his um, followers in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. What was he saying? You will see a perfect pattern of how to serve the Lord and grow if you just watch my life. Watch my life. You know what Paul was? A living tutorial. Paul was a living tutorial about how to be successful at living for Christ. You know what he told him in the Corinthian church? He said, you know, you guys pray, you think you pray in tongues a lot? I pray in tongues more than all of you. I pray in tongues more than all of you do. So he's shown him by his life, praying in tongues is important because I pray in tongues more than you do. But in an assembly, you need to preach and teach and build the faith of those that are there. Or prophesy and let them hear from God directly. Or if you do speak in tongues, interpret it so everybody is built up and knows what we're talking about. So Paul's given them examples from his own life. Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, what's that last part mean? If you see me stop following Christ, stop following me. It's direction. 
We need, and, and listen, in this, there it is. Thank you, Luenda. Specific, measurable, attainable, reliable, or relevant, and a time frame or time-based goals. They're SMART. That's an acronym, SMART goals. It's been around for many, many years, and it's been used by successful people all over the place. But it's also scriptural. I could put a scripture on every one of those things. I could. Because it's all scripturally based. That's why it's successful. So understand you need direction. There's no excuse in this day and age of 2020 for any person to fall behind in any area. Well, I just don't have the money for a piano teacher. Oh yeah? Go on YouTube that is free and watch one of the millions of piano tutorials that are on that website for free. You can learn how to do anything for free on YouTube. There's even people that are teaching terrorism how to build car bombs. Literally, I'm saying that to say there's nothing you can't learn. Anything's available on the web, and most all of it is free. There's no excuse. Well, I don't have the time. Yet people have the time to sit and binge watch an entire season of Stranger Things. But they don't have time to develop their gift. It's a, it's, it's, if I can use this very dirty term, it's hogwash. Number two is direction. <laughs> Number three, what's the third, the third thing you need to build your gift and your talent? Number three, diligence. You need diligence. Let me tell you something. It does not matter if you have direction if you don't have diligence. It doesn't matter. Do you know what they call January the 12th? I believe it's January the 12th. Um, I don't know if I wrote it in this book or it was another book. But January, I think it's January the 12th or January the 18th. You know what they call it? Quitter's Day. (laughs) Quitter's Day. You know why? Because everybody sets New Year's resolutions. And they did a study through several workout apps for phones and tablets as people were logging their workouts that on the average, people quit their workout goals that they set for the year by January 12th or 18th. They couldn't even make it three weeks consistently working out. So they had a direction. They had a goal. They knew what they wanted to do. What did they lack? Diligence. Faithfulness. you got to be diligent. Once you set that goal... Do it. Do it faithfully. And one of the ways that you can do it faithfully is by making it your priority of the day. See, that's how you do it. If you say, well, you know, I'm just going to do it when I get some extra time. You'll never do it. There's no such thing as extra time. Things just fill your time throughout the day. You know that as well as I do. Things just fill your time. Well, I'm going to pray an hour when I get some time to pray an hour. You'll never pray an hour. It's got to be your priority. That's why I had to start doing this. I knew what we were going to do this week at, at Kickstart. And so I, I wasn't going to have extra time. Even my wife told me before we came here, she was like, you're going to actually go and try to work out during the, the Kickstart revival. And you've got a morning broadcast and we've got fellowship in the afternoon. You've got services every night. You're not going to have time to go work out. So what did I have to make up my mind to do? Well, I'm going to get up very early in the morning and leave the house, even after going to bed late after the revival, I think last night we went to bed at 1.30 or 2 in the morning, still got up early. Why? Because I understand that this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so I have to do things to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit so that it doesn't fall into ruin, and I've got to prioritize that. So what do I do? I combine prayer and working out my physical body at the same time. I'm praying. It takes me 15 to 20 minutes to get to the gym. Praying in tongues in the car all the way to the gym. Get to the gym and I work out. 
coming back, and then over here, another 20 minutes of praying in tongues. Then throughout the day before I'm getting ready, so I'll pray over an hour, hour and a half every day, and then read the Word, study, work on this physical body. But what? it's not going to happen. If I just say, well, you know, when I get some extra time, I'll head over to the gym. It's not going to happen. Diligence. You have to prioritize if you're going to be diligent. Because if you don't make it something that is your top priority, then let me just tell you, it will never get done. My, da- my dad used to joke around about this and he'd say, you know, you know how people are. They say, they get all built up. I'm going to pray. Praise God. I'm going to pray and have a life of prayer. And they say, I'm going to wake up early in the morning and pray before school or before work. And then the morning go- rolls around and alarm goes off. And people are dead tired. Like, oh man, they hit the snooze button 15 times. And then they have to jump out of bed and rush that. You know what, Lord, I'll, get, I'll catch you at the lunch break. I'm going to pray at lunch break and I'll just really get with you. And then you get around your friends and people at school or at work and you get talking and uh, lunch break's taken up. You know, Lord, first thing, when I get home today, when I get home first thing, I'm going to start praying. Then you get home, you got to have dinner, you got to do your chores, whatever you got. Maybe you got homework as a student. Then all that comes. Lord, right before bed, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'll get into your presence. Then you hit that bed after a long day. Father, in the name of Jesus, and you're gone. And if people don't prioritize it, it never gets done. It'll never happen. So diligence is number three. You've got to have diligence. Number four, you've got to have discipline. You've got to have discipline. By the way, let me just say this. Diligence is a nonstop pursuit of greatness. Diligence is a nonstop pursuit of greatness. It's important to say that. It's important to say that. Diligence, it's a non-stop pursuit of greatness. Amen. So you have to continue to pursue it. Um, in order to be diligent, you have to have discipline. And so a life that's not disciplined is not going to have anything. And the Bible teaches discipline. Listen to Paul's uh, statements to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9.27. Listen to this. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So what did Paul do? He said, I make my body do the things it should do. Why? Because your body's carnal and it doesn't want to do things to build your gift. Your body wants to do what pleases it, not what pleases God. And so what do you need? Discipline. I need discipline. Some people need to pray and just ask God to give them strength to be disciplined. And I understand that. You know what's crazy? The art of losing weight is not a mystery. It's not a mystery at all. It's based on a very simple uh, uh, formula of caloric deficit. Anybody, I mean, everybody in the world knows what it takes to lose weight. Burn more calories than you eat. It's very simple. But did you know that 70% of Americans are overweight or obese? obese? Why? Because everyone knows how to do it. It's just that no one does it. It's the same. It's what Dave Ramsey teaches about, you know, getting out of debt. Everybody knows what it takes to not be in debt. Don't spend more than you earn. It's just nobody does it. Save. Don't spend. Nobody does it. So what do they do? They're in debt. It's not hard to be out of debt. You don't spend more than you earn. <laughs> it sounds very simple when you say it like that. But nobody does it. Why? Discipline is lacking. Discipline's lacking. So you've got to be disciplined in your life. Number four, write it down. The fourth thing you need to develop your gift is prayer. 
Four is prayer. I didn't miss one, did I? That's uh, five. Yeah, sorry. Prayer and fasting. Sorry, I lost count because I was, I was homeschooled. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, five, prayer and fasting. Without prayer and fasting, you're not going to develop your gift. Why? Because promotion doesn't come from men. It comes from the Lord. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord, and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. So how does he decide it? How does God decide who will rise and who will fall? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth. This is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Searching for people whose hearts are turned toward him on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. So in order for God to get involved with your life and show himself strong and mighty on your behalf, bringing you into promotion, your heart has to be turned toward him. There's no quicker way to show God that your heart is turned toward him than through prayer and fasting. Your body wants to eat so bad. We just finished a 21-day fast with the body of Christ. I'm sure many of you are like, my God, I'm ready to eat some food by the time it's done. Your body doesn't want to fast, wants to eat. But prayer and fasting are two things commanded by God to show faithfulness to the kingdom and to access his presence. And if you want to develop in your gift, you have to be a person of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. There's no way to get around it. Jesus commanded it in Matthew chapter 6, and then they were mad, they were mad you know. <clears throat> How come your disciples don't, don't fast? He said, you don't fast when the bridegroom is with you, but I'm leaving. And when I leave, they will fast and pray. He expects fasting and prayer from his followers. And that's you and that's me. And that doesn't just mean at the beginning of the year. It means throughout the year. Did you realize <clears throat> that throughout church history, I'm talking about first century, second century, third century believers. Did you know that it was a common practice of believers around the world to fast two days a week every single week, Wednesday and Friday. They would fast Wednesday and Friday every single week in dedication to the Lord and seek his face. It's not a bad idea to fast one day a week or two days a week. It just keeps your body in subjection, tells it to shut up and reminds it it's not the boss, your spirit is the boss. The Holy Spirit that's connected and united with you and his word, that is the boss. Your flesh is not going to run you. I've been saying this, and it'd be good to write it in the comments section. My flesh is not qualified to determine my future. My flesh is not qualified to determine my future. It is completely unqualified. It will take you into ruin. If you listen to your flesh, it'll take you into ruin. Men, if you listen to your flesh, you'll have baby mamas all over your city. You'll be paying child support to 13 different women if you allow your flesh to run you. Your flesh will lead you into destruction. It, all it brings is death because your flesh is still pulling for the carnal. Your body's not been glorified by God yet. It will be one day, but it's like Paul said. I mean, if anybody, I mean, you think about it, if anybody shouldn't have needed to discipline themselves and fast and pray, it should have been Paul, the most powerful apostle in the New Testament outside of Christ. 
you know, it should have been him. But he even said, I've got to do it daily. And he said, there's times I feel like there's a war going on inside me. There's a war that my flesh tries to pull me from what's pleasing to God and my spirit's pulling towards pleasing God. I've got a war in my members. And if Paul needed to fast and pray, and listen, even greater than that, if Jesus needed to fast and pray, we need it. We need it. And so understand this. Um, I write this in the book that when you um, fast and pray and you get familiar with the presence of God, it allows you to be a tour guide, not a tourist. A tour guide, not a tourist. What does that mean? I mean, imagine how you'd feel if you went out on a safari for the first time and you're on the continent of Africa on safari. And while you're out there, you've been driving for like an hour and everywhere you're seeing like dangerous animals and you say to the driver after an hour of driving, hey, are we almost where we're going yet? And he turns around with a big smile and says, I have no idea. This is my first time on a safari. I've never been out here before. I don't even know where we're going. You would freak out. Do you have to get back? No, I don't even know where we are now. No, you're not called to be a tourist in the kingdom of God. You're called to be a tour guide. You as a mature believer should be able to lead others into the presence of God. But you can't lead others a place you've never been yourself. So you've got to develop the discipline to fast and pray, get into his presence and be familiar with the presence of God. One of the things that happens when you're familiar with his presence is that you can't be duped by anybody and say, my God, this is the, this is the presence of the Lord. Um, no, it's not. Because I've been in his presence. I know what the anointing is and what it isn't, what it feels like and what it doesn't. This ain't it. I was like watching. There was a revival that was going on in Florida one time for a long period of time. This guy that was a um, complete jackass that was uh, supposed to be a man of God was not. Total fraud. And um, people would call me up. I mean, the revival went for a long time, long time. People going, well, man, have you seen that revival? You seen that guy and they're airing it on television and all this? And, and, and man, is it power? Isn't it power? And I'd, I'd sit there and watch it. I never even went to the revival, but I sat there. I turned it on one time and I thought to myself, that is not the Holy Ghost. That's a lot of things, but it's not the Holy Ghost. That is not God. That's a familiar spirit. That's, that, that is nothing to do with the Lord. Well, it came out later that he was sleeping with hookers and snorting lines of cocaine before every service. Big surprise. It wasn't a surprise to me because I could look in his eyes and see that he was unclean and see that it wasn't the Holy Ghost. People tell me, should I go down there? I think I should go down the road. I tell him, don't go. It's not God. And it'll come out that it's not God. It'll come out later that it's not of God. So don't go down. Don't waste your time. If you can't discern that, and I, I wondered to myself, like, how can people... Like literally, I would, I would sit there and watch the thing on television, not often because I watched it one or two times and knew it wasn't God. But I sat there and looked at that and thought to myself, how is it that believers can watch this and not know if it's God or if it's just acting or a familiar spirit from the devil? How can you not feel that? Like I was thinking to myself, that how are so many believers duped into believing this is the Lord? I need to get down there and have this man lay hands on me and then give money into his ministry. And, all that. and I thought to myself, how does the, even the, the producers of this Christian television channel, how can they not watch this and not have enough discernment to know it's not even God? And you know what I found out? Most Christians don't have the, the ability to discern because they don't get into the presence of the Lord. 
and they have to come into church every week just to get their heroin shot of the word from a pastor just to even get through their week to the next Sunday. Most people aren't staying in his presence the way they need to be, and as a result, they are easily led away by false doctrine. That should not be your story. If you're going to develop your gift and go higher in the things of God, you have to become familiar with the voice of God. Why? Isaiah 48, 17 says, I'm the Lord your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. Teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. So you can't be led by the Spirit in the way that you should go into a place of profit or increase if you don't know his voice. If you don't know what that's like or what it feels like to be in the anointing or be able to even discern that. I've heard guys that people thought were prophets get up in a, in a service and prophesy and then people later found out that what they prophesied was the exact same as what a witch said. Verbatim, word for word, phrase for phrase. <laughs> and you couldn't tell that that wasn't the Holy Ghost, that it was a familiar spirit that had delivered the same message to this quote-unquote prophet that it did to a witch that has their own show that tries to buy, buy a spirit, a familiar spirit, predict the future. You couldn't feel that. You can't tell. There's a problem. There's a problem when people can't tell the difference between the voice of their best friend and their worst enemy. That's a problem. Holy Ghost is your best friend. The devil is your worst enemy. If you can't tell the difference between the Holy Ghost and a demon spirit, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. And so one of the ways we can stay in is familiarize ourselves with the anointing by fasting and prayer. And that's number five. If you're going to increase in your gift, you have got to fast and pray. And I've done a lot of teaching on fasting and prayer. There's videos on YouTube all about it. Uh, we've done broadcasts about it. I've, I've, um, I mean, I've done podcasts on it if you search through the podcast. Number, what is this? Six. The sixth way to develop your gift and increase in your gift, and I, I, I title it this way, feed yourself fresh bread. Feed yourself fresh bread. The word of God is supernatural bread. The word of God is supernatural bread. And when you eat it, when you ingest it, it allows you to go higher. Let me read you something from Ezekiel. I don't even know if I was able to put this in the book because, let me see if I did. I didn't, but let me read you a passage from Ezekiel chapter 2. This is the call of the prophet Ezekiel by God. And the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 2, the word came unto me and I heard him speaking to me and the word came unto me and entered into me and set me upon my feet. Think about that, Ezekiel chapter 2. The word, I heard him speaking to me, and the word came unto me, entered into me, and set me upon my feet. The word of God carries power to establish you, to lift you up, and to promote you. Paul said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 32, in his teaching, he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, number one, and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. So the word of God has the ability to build you up, establish you, set you up on your feet, and give you your inheritance. And so the word is literally fuel for your purpose. The word is literally fuel for your purpose. If you're not filling yourself with the word, 
you know, as I've been working out, I've been trying to do, thank you, Billion, for putting the scripture up. He said to me, son of man, stand up upon your feet and I will speak to you. And as he spoke, the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. I started to realize, you know, the more that I do, the more that I work out, the more that I, I spend time trying to develop the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I have a long, long way to go. But I started to study more about it, study more about the body and how muscles grow and what you need for fuel and all that. And I was recognizing something that was happening to me because I was trying to cut weight while building muscle, but I was trying to do a weightlifting routine while I was on the keto diet. And I recognized that I was not seeing the gains that I wanted to see in my body. And obviously I was seeing the weight loss, but not the, the muscle gains. And when I looked at it, it's because I understood that on the keto diet, it is a low carb, moderate protein, high fat diet. And your muscles need protein and amino acids in order to grow or to bulk. Well, I was not taking in enough protein fuel into my body to see my muscle gains that I wanted to see. So I realized that I, have to, I had to discard that diet and choose a different type of meal plan in order to see muscle growth in my body if I wanted to increase. What did I need? I needed a sufficient amount of protein fuel to see the muscles grow. And people don't realize that it's the same in the spirit. You've got to have a proper amount of spiritual nutrition in order to grow spiritually. The word of God is supernatural strength to your body, health to your body, joy to your soul. Let me just tell you, if you're going to try to grow in your purpose and in your calling without joy in your life, you are running against the current hard, hard. And you know what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 16? He said, Lord, I found your word and I ate it and it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. So Jeremiah's teaching, as he ingested or devoured the word of God, it actually became supernatural joy and strength in his body. So the fuel for your purpose is the word of God. The fuel for your purpose is the word of God. Feed yourself fresh bread on a daily basis. Fresh bread. That's Proverbs. Rudy's quoting Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. It is life to those that find it and healing to all their flesh. The word is. It's fresh bread. It's fresh bread for your body, for your mind, for your spirit. And if you're going to increase in your gift, you have got to feed yourself fresh bread. And finally, number seven, the seventh way to increase your gift or to grow in your gift is to seek out supernatural impartation. Seek out supernatural impartation. Impartation, this book that I'm getting ready to release, and I apologize to those of you that know it's late. It's about a year late to, to go to print, and I apologize for that, but I just have not been able to get it all finished and out the door, and there's more content coming to me from the Holy Spirit, but it's almost there. We're about two chapters away from putting it to the printer. <clears throat> but this next book that I've got coming out is on the power of impartation. It's called Further Faster. And it's such a dynamic system that God created for the kingdom to ensure that every generation doesn't have to begin where the last generation began. You can begin where they left off and build upon the shoulders of giants that went before you. Everything's progressive. 
And so we're supposed to, Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, Iris. And so we're supposed to continue to increase with every generation. Well, supernatural impartation is the way that we receive from others that have gone before us. And I want you to see this. I mean, everybody, I could talk about it from the word, you know, Moses imparted to Joshua, Elijah to Elisha, Jesus to the disciples, Paul to Timothy and Onesimus and Titus. You could go through the whole Bible. There's, a, there's impartation through the whole Bible. But understand this. You need it. You need somebody to deliver to you endowment or spiritual gifting so that you can be established and grow quickly. Go further, faster. That's why we're calling the book that, Further, Faster. And so what does it mean to, super, to seek out supernatural impartation? Well, there's obviously already someone doing what you're called to do at a much higher level. Gain access to their teaching, wisdom, relationship if you can, hands laid upon you if you can, you know, depending on what, what it is. There's already somebody in the kingdom that's crushing it in business. Get around them. Listen to what they have to say. There's already someone in the kingdom that's, you know, a phenomenal singer, a phenomenal player. Get around those people and, and, and get a, find a way, even if it's by videos they've placed online. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing for the worship session of um, Miracle Word University. I've had so many people come to me and say, hey, when you come to our church, would you do, you know, sit in with the worship team and just do some tutorials on worship and praise and keyboard? And I thought instead of just doing it one church after another, why don't I just create a course that anyone around the world can access and learn how to go deeper in keyboard playing and worshiping the Lord? So that's why we're doing that. We're going to expand it with even more courses. Why? So that you get the impartation of wisdom and knowledge and that you don't have to fall behind because you don't know what you should do. I'm going to be able to take 20 plus years of experience and, 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 and building the gift and developing the gift and impart to you quickly, within hours, what I've learned over 20 years. And that's what God wants. Not just wisdom, but strength, anointing. These things can be imparted. They can be imparted. You should be spending time in the anointing to develop, to develop your gift. If all you ever do is go to Sunday services, and trust me, Sunday services are great. You need to be faithful to your church. Don't be one of these people that goes once a month. Be there every single Sunday. Be faithful. But there should also be times in your year when you go to special meetings, conferences, revivals. You go down to where they're holding. You know, my father holds one every year in Florida in February, April in West Virginia, in the summer in Toronto, Canada, in the fall in New England. You know, we hold things annually, multiple times throughout the year, so that you can be a part of it. Get into the revivals, get into the, you know, you can go see whoever you want to see. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, four major camp meetings a year as well. Find somebody that's doing something great for the Lord and connect to them and watch what God will impart to your spirit through that faithfulness. You should be seeking it out and hungry to get it. Hungry to get it. I want what they have. I want it. I want to learn what they know. I want access to that anointing that's on their life. Like Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit to come upon me. I want a double portion of your spirit to come upon my life. And he got what he asked for. Even though Elijah said, you've asked for a hard thing, he still got what he asked for. And you'll get what you asked for in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you right now, every person that's watching this or listening on the podcast, to receive 
in this year of 2020, a next level bump on your gifts and talents. I'll ask God. I'll pray something that would seem hard. I'll pray, I'll pray that God would allow you to skip levels in 2020. Maybe you feel like you're at level five. I'll ask God to take you to level 10 before the year's over in your gift and talent. Father, in Jesus' name, number one, give us a hunger and a desire. Give us a hunger and a desire to go higher in the gifts that you've given us, to develop them and to see the anointing come upon our lives. We ask you now to use us mightily. We dedicate our gifts to you. They're not for the world. They're not for carnal purposes. They're for you. So we dedicate them to you in Jesus' name. We thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Let me, uh, let me take a couple of questions real quick in just a moment. But let me make, a, make a, a statement here. I made a vow to God and I said, Lord, if you'll anoint me to sing and to play uh, and worship, I'll never use that gift for anything but your spirit and your anointing. You'll never find me in a bar band. You'll never find me in a club. You'll never find me in a coffee house doing sets for extra money. It'll never happen. This gift is reserved for God. And if you reserve your gifts and talents for God, he'll increase them beyond what you could ever imagine. God has taken me around the world and opened doors, places I never would have gone myself, but because of my faithfulness to give him what's his, he opens the doors. He opens the doors. Yeah, Andrew, we would love to see you. So any questions you have, put it in the comments. Let me encourage you right now, every person that's watching, take a moment to sow a seed of faith. Sow that seed. I talked about it earlier. That's a gift that you have. A gift of generosity, the Bible calls it. To sow. And as you do it, God puts larger seeds in your hand. And so I'm going to put those uh, lower third up on the screen, ways you can give. You can go to miracleword.com. And so you see they're a partner with us there. Um, you can use PayPal. The information will be on the screen. Info at MiracleWord.com is the email. And then if you'd like to use hashtag donate, if you're on Periscope or Facebook, do that. And then finally, <clears throat> we now take Venmo and Cash App as well for your seeds. So Barrett, if you throw that lower third up on the screen for the, for the giving, um, you'll see there you can use MWGive for Cash App as well as Venmo. Same username, MWGive. Give to sow your seed. And then also, um, if you'd like to, you can mail a check to P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. And that's on the website as well if you'd like to look for that uh, address. And we appreciate everybody that's sowing. For everybody that sows $100 or more, you know what we're doing in January, sending you the book God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. And uh, you can claim that offer by going to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And then for every partner that sows a thousand or more in this month, a genuine leather New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible. And these just came in. They're gorgeous. I can't wait. To, I'm going to get one myself and uh, we're going to send them to you and I'm going to sign them uh, to you and your family. Um, <clears throat> here is some questions. Here are some questions that are coming in. Number one, Barrett asks, how do you... Uh, backwards plan and create measurable, doable goals while also stretching your faith and believing for more? It's a great question. Um, when you say backwards plan, I'm guessing you mean you're almost trying to, um, what's, the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? When you reverse engineer something, correct? Uh, to reverse engineer, meaning you, you know the outcome you want so how do I reverse engineer that and make sure I get what I want? 
Um, some things take time. One of the greatest things I ever heard Chick Corea say, and Chick, Chick is probably the greatest, uh, and you can put that up for people that are still giving. Um, Chick is probably the greatest uh, jazz keyboard player of his day. Now there's guys that are just blowing up like Corey Henry and others, Jesus Molina. Um, but <clears throat> Chick said he'll take a piece of music and break it down into small chunks. If it's difficult, he doesn't try to learn the whole piece of music at once. He, pre he breaks it into chunks. And then he'll say, okay, I'm going to play these two bars of the song until I can nail it. And then I'll expand to go to four bars until I can nail those. So I would say one of the best ways to, um, to, to reverse engineer where you want to go, where you want to be, is to look at what you want to accomplish and then know what it takes to get there. I mean, obviously you need to create a strategy that allows you to get there. But the thing is this, is, is that you have to take that strategy in small chunks and master them one by one. You can't expect to overnight be at the next level. I mean, God will bless you, but, and he'll use you, but there is a measure of studying to show yourself approved. And so it's taking time. They say they, they call someone an expert that has spent 10,000 hours doing something. If you've been able to take 10,000 hours doing the same thing over and over, you're an expert at it, they say. And so taking time every day to discipline yourself to do those practices or those drills or whatever it is that you may be doing. And by stretching your faith and believing for more, maybe, maybe grab, you know, you can, you can modify the one that says attainable, a goal that's attainable, uh, and trust God that it'll be attainable. But, you know, go beyond even a little bit what you think you may be able to do with your current level of skill. Go beyond that and trust the Lord that he'll give you even greater uh, ability as you by faith press in. See, we have a different level of advantage than the world does because we have the Holy Spirit. So what, what those who don't have the Holy Spirit uh, can't do, we can do all things through Christ. Don says, if promotion in your gifts is delayed... Is that the Lord's doing or yours or both? It is not the Lord's doing. It's never his doing. He wants you to increase and he gives you power. In fact, did you know the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 5 that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. So God wants you to have wisdom about your gift. He'll give it to you. So pray and ask him for it. And then just what you may need to do, Dawn, is just spend more time developing. You may need to sp spend more time daily developing that gift and that talent until you see the increase that you want to. Debbie's asking, when are you coming back to Ontario? We'll be in Sarnia, Ontario in May of this year. Sarnia, Ontario at Bethel Pentecostal Church. Love to see you there. Um, coming back to Ohio, OBMCC. Uh, I think so. I got some word that we may be coming um, back this year. That's right, Rudy. Breaking it down, digestible pieces. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's the old adage. I've never actually done it, but I'm, not, I'm willing to try. Any other questions before we do anything else today and, uh, and go? Listen, I want to say thank you, by the way. Thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds and partnering with us. It means a lot to us, and we do pray for you. As you know, I texted you. If you'd like to text me your prayer request, I'd love to hear from you. And listen, anybody that wants to stay in touch with me, I'm not one of these guys that's like not accessible. That, that always bothered me. Men of God, they're just not accessible. As soon as they finish preaching, they leave the platform, they're gone. You can't even see them, talk to them. I want to be accessible. I want to help you. I want to do whatever I can to bless you. So if you'd like to, 
um, you know, even speak to me via text message. You can do that. Go to, go to my website, miracleword.com forward slash text. Fill out the form. You know what you'll do by filling out that form? You'll put all your information into my personal phone and then I'll send you a text and we can stay in touch via text message. And uh, I get them and I write you back. And when you get a text, it's from me, not from an automated bot or you know, somebody in the office. I wanna stay in touch with you. I wanna hear your prayer request. I wanna, I wanna be able to help you how I can. And I, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. It's usually within a couple of hours. So literally, put that in and then, and then text me. Let's stay connected via text message. Um, Heather said, when are you coming back to Maine? Nothing on the books right now, but we will let you know. Um, Trisha says, do you believe God imparts things to you in dreams? I believe he can definitely impart wisdom to you in dreams and revelation and knowledge. The Bible says he speaks through dreams. Um, and so... Dreams and visions are ways that God imparts knowledge, revelation, and wisdom. No question about it. No question about it. Yes. Today, by the way, thank you, Caitlin. Today, by the way, big announcement, and if she's watching, I want to say it. My daughter, Madeline, turns 10 years old today. Thank you for sowing a seed, Luenda. 10 years old. Maddie's 10. I have a 10-year-old. I can't believe it. I've got a 10-year-old. My wife looks so young. How could she have a 10-year-old child? But we do. Today, our first daughter, our oldest child, Maddie, turns 10. She's into the double digits, two full hands for Maddie today. And I told her I'm reversing by the Holy Spirit. I'm reversing her age. And from this point forward, she will go backwards. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. I love my little uh, Maddie bear. Thank you, buddy, and I will give that to Maddie. Buddy sowed $10 for 10 years. I'm going to give that 10 to Maddie. Thank you, buddy, for that birthday gift. Um, yep, happy birthday to Maddie. And uh, I, I do too, Jennifer. I remember her being a little baby coming to these meetings. When we first came here to Albemarle, North Carolina, she was only a baby. We came here when she was just a little, little, little girl, and uh, now she's a beautiful young lady. I'm so proud of her. She's full of wisdom. She's filled with the Holy Ghost. She speaks in tongues. She has a love for reading the Word of God. She has a love for winning the lost. She wants to tell people about the gospel. She has a love for giving. She's been trained. Her mother's been a wonderful mother to her and trained her up. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's what mothers are there to do. Mothers are there to train up young women. For, da for daddies, they're just our babies, our baby girls. We're there to spoil them. Mom's there to train them. And then it's opposite for the boys. Moms spoil the boys and dads train their sons. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for, for my, my Maddie Bear. So Maddie, if you're watching, I love you. Happy birthday. And I'm going to take her to get sushi uh, in just a few minutes. Hallelujah. We're about to throw some sushi down. Some of the freshest sushi you'll ever get is in Albemarle, North Carolina. It's right here by the ocean and uh, right on the coast here. Uh, they pull it right out of the Monongahalia River that flows through <laughs> Yep, it's wonderful. So thank you guys for hanging with us. We'll be back tonight, 6.30 p.m., Kickstart 2020. I got a word to preach to you tonight. It's going to stir your faith. Miracles are taking place. And uh, thanks for hanging with us. Lewenda said, hi, Pastor Brian. We love you, Lewenda. Thanks for sowing a seed. Thanks to everybody that sowed today and that's joining us for the broadcast. If you didn't get a chance to share it, share it. Don't forget, there's only like three days left or something to sign up for Mountain Moving Faith on Miracle Word University with this discount code, Faith Launch. 
15% off. We love you guys. Have a wonderful and a blessed day. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. Talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.